All right, you ready to get in God's Word this morning? All right, Joshua chapter 1, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Okay, so we're going to look at Joshua chapter 1, and uh, we're going to look here at legacy. Look at your neighbor and say legacy. Legacy. I've been thinking about legacy a lot this past week. I've been thinking about legacy, and, uh, and, and I've also been thinking about how, um, how legacy has to, so much to do with who we are at Summit. From our beginning, from our mission, from our vision as to who we are in advancing God's kingdom here and around the world by making disciples. That's legacy. And I believe we see that in the life of uh, Joshua here. I believe we see that in the life of Elisha over the last couple of weeks that Elijah right, built his legacy in Elisha. And so everything he did um, right, was, was pointed back to Elijah in some way because Elijah was his spiritual father. And so I want to look at Joshua chapter 1. We're going to read uh, 1 through 9. Um, it's going to be hard for me to stop there, but we're going to, we're going to stop there uh, and, uh, and talk about the life of Joshua and legacy this morning. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, rise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down, excuse me, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. I'm not talking to you, Siri. Okay shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then, and then if you don't know the story, Joshua goes on in verse 10, commands the officers of the people to go and to tell everybody that, that this is what's going to happen. And then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan towards the sunrise. And then if, if you just, one second, look at verse 17. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. And I love the people's response to Joshua here. Right, because, because God gives Joshua a call after the death of Moses. We're going to go back and talk about that in just a minute. Joshua goes and calls the people to what God is calling them to. And then the people's response, just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord be your God. May the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment, disobeys your words, whatever you command them shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. I love the favor there that we see of Joshua in his call. See, God protects those who he calls to do the work that he calls them to do. And that's huge. And that's one thing I've always loved about Joshua. The story of Joshua here. Because, you know, a, a lot of times we, we sit and, and, and we look at folks and we think, hmm, it's going to take a couple years. 
right? It's gonna take it's gonna take some time, right, for me to. But 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 in scripture we see that the the mantle was passed. Now I get it. Well, pastor, they must have known Joshua. They must have known his reputation. He was the associate of Moses for so long that they must have been able to trust him right away. Exactly. He built a legacy. See. When we talk about how awesome Joshua is in this passage and the favor of the Lord here with Joshua, we can't not talk about the job that Moses did in building his legacy and stirring and training so well that as soon as there was a changing of the guard, Joshua was ready to take over. Joshua was ready to take over. Let's look at this a little bit deeper. We see there in verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, many of us would think, okay, Joshua being as close as he was to Moses, sorry, Jeff, Joshua being as close as he was to Moses, right, probably deserves a minute to mourn Moses, right? To mourn Moses. Like, hey, you know, take a minute, take a couple weeks, Take a sabbatical, take something, you know, take some time. Make sure your heart is ready for what's next. But that's not what we see. Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over the Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving them to the people of Israel. Right? Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised Moses. Now the same promise to Moses was the same promise for Joshua, right? He is carrying on the work. He is continuing the work that Moses began from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. And then look at the promise of verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. And this morning, I want us to see where we have to begin. Where we have to begin. Because we all have to begin. Where we have to begin to leave a positive, godly legacy that will have impact not only on this generation and the one to come, but even beyond the next generation and even into eternity. Even into eternity. And to do that, I want to consider this life of Joshua and the way that Moses trained him up. The way that Moses trained him up. Joshua was Moses' assistant, and after Moses died, he took over leading the people of Israel. So leaving a legacy requires two things. And the first thing it requires that I want us to look at this morning is faith. Faith. But not only faith, but I want us to talk about that leaving a legacy requires faith in God. Leaving a legacy requires faith in God. Listen, this miracle that we're doing, this building that you see out there on a sheet of poster board and all of that, this move that we're making, it requires faith for some at church. But not faith in Travis, not faith in Ian, not faith in our staff, not faith in our elders, not faith in our worship team, not faith in Dan Garish, although that's pretty close, not, not faith in Herb, not faith in Lois, not faith in anybody other than God. Because if it doesn't happen there, then it's not going to happen. I mean, it could still happen. We could make it happen, right? But it's not going to be blessed like we want it to be blessed. We're not going to see the legacy that we want to see. We're not going to experience what we want to experience. 
That was for Ron. Sorry. Okay? It's faith in God. Right? So God is with those who have faith in Him. Why? Why does that make so much sense? Because, because if, if God is with those who have faith in Him, it's because faith is a pursuit. It's because those that have faith pursue God with their lives. We see that in Joshua. We saw it in Moses. If we were to go back and walk through the life of Moses, the call of Moses in the beginning of Exodus, all the way through, we would see that God was Moses' pursuit. Right? People in the Old Testament, while they didn't know the name of Jesus, they put their trust in God and His provision for their salvation. Think about it. Exodus chapter 15. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Psalm 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Psalm 62.7. My salvation and my honor depend on God. Isaiah 12.2. Surely God is my salvation. And we could go on and on and on. But today, since the cross of Christ, our ultimate object of faith is still God, but the immediate object of our faith is the person and work of Jesus. That's why I wanted to bring the cross out here this morning. Because we've got to remember that the distinction for us as Christians, as followers of Jesus, is the gospel. And if we're going to leave a godly legacy, if we're going to imprint this on our children and their children and their children and their children, which who doesn't want to do that? Who doesn't want to leave things better than when we came? Right? Then it's got to start with the gospel. It's got to start with the cross. It's got to start with Jesus. That's got to be our pursuit. And those in the Old Testament put their faith in God and were cleansed by the blood of Jesus when he died on the cross. So it always has been by faith that we come into relationship with God and he's with us. And so listen to him. If you want to live a life of faith, if you want to live a life that will leave a legacy that will positively affect those around you and positively affect you too, it must begin with the gospel. It must begin with faith. It's got to begin with faith. And here's the thing about faith. Faith is not, somebody say not, not. I'm going to try to do that a little bit more this morning to make sure you're not frozen. Okay, make sure you still make sure you keep the jaws moving. Nothing freezes up. Okay, I get it. All right. Faith is not static. Faith is not a static thing. See, we put our faith in God initially by taking a step or or, or accepting of, of accepting Jesus as our savior. But it doesn't end there. It only begins there. See, how many of us treat each other like, oh, man, we said the prayer. We got baptized. We're a believer in Jesus. We're done. That's only the beginning. That's only the beginning. Buckle up. Because God wants to teach you so much. God wants to learn you so many things. It only begins there. And our legacy shouldn't end there. It's only the beginning. So first, the legacy requires faith. Number two, leaving a godly legacy requires our faith to grow. Requires our faith to grow. Again, not static, not just stopping. It requires our faith to go. Jesus talked about degrees of faith. We talk about it here. That's how we got our name, Summit, right? Come and see, follow me, be with me, remain in me, right? From spiritual infant to spiritual parent, spiritual grandparent, right? There are levels, there are uh, degrees of faith. 
disciples, the disciples in Luke chapter 17 asked Jesus for their faith to be increased. And Jesus responded that it didn't require much faith to do certain things. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. You can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. That's from the NIV. See, we like the apostles and like Joshua need our faith to grow. How does this happen? I'm glad you asked. First, we see that growing faith requires knowledge. That if we're going to grow in our faith, it takes knowledge. That if we're going to grow in our faith, it takes knowledge. God was wanting to help Joshua grow in his faith. Why? Because he had a great work for him to accomplish. God wanted Joshua to grow in faith because he had a great work for him to accomplish. And God knew that it would require a deeper faith. And so God told him, I've told, I've told my servant Moses many things, and he's written them down here in this book. Meditate on these things so that you know what I want you to do. These things are going to help keep you grounded and focused and keep your faith growing. Look at verse 9. He says, haven't I commanded you be strong and courageous? Don't be frightened and dismayed for the Lord is with you wherever you go. He says in verse 8, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. It's important for us to meditate on these things. We need to do the same thing that God's calling Joshua to do here after the death of Moses. If we're going to leave a godly legacy, we've got to meditate on the word that he's given on us, that he's given us. Why? Because when we meditate on the Word of God, we're meditating on the mission that He's called us to. Because we can't meditate on God's Word. We can't look at this love letter, letter from God to us, Scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, and not see the Gospel. And not see how everything points to Jesus. Everything. I mean, that's why we joke around all the time. If anybody ever asks you a question in church, just say Jesus, because you can't go wrong. It's never a wrong answer, right? When we meditate on the scriptures, when we meditate on what Jesus has called us to and what we see in the Old Testament, New Testament, both are valuable. We're meditating on the gospel because it's absolutely essential to a growing faith. And a growing faith is essential to living a godly life and receiving blessings in life. And what do those blessings include? Peace. When we meditate on the scriptures, it brings peace. What a blessing. It brings joy. When we meditate on the scriptures, it brings joy. It makes us overjoyed. Some of the promises that we read, even right here, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What a promise to claim right now. Right now. Right now. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. I'm with you. I'm with you. I got you. I got you. Joy, uh, um, assurance of God's presence and salvation. I'm with you. Strength and overcoming trials. And as we experience those blessings and continue on in living this life, we end up leaving a godly legacy. We end up leaving a godly legacy. I was nervous about the type of legacy that Ezra was going to take into kindergarten. Let me tell you why. 
Because because Ezra Ezra the relationship that Ezra and I have, okay, now now I know I know some of you might have a, a have an issue with this and and that's okay, but the relationship that Ezra and I ha- have is different than I have with my daughters. Mainly, he beats the snot out of me. Like literally. Constantly. Some of you have seen it. Some some of you have seen him just run up to me and just haul off and just slap me as hard as he can. Right? It's awesome. Because you know what I do back? I can't tell you because I don't want anybody to call any numbers that get me in trouble. Okay? But you may have seen this game that people started to play. I think it actually like made on a TV show like in another country or something like that. Where these two guys, it's kind of like arm wrestling. They get up to a table. Right? Dylan, you've seen this? You've seen Well, I've told you about it though. You get up to a table and you hold on to a handle and you literally slap the other guy across the table from you. And the loser is the one that can't, that can't stay standing anymore. He can't take any more slapping. Right? And they go back and forth and they slap each other as hard as they can. It's a great game. Okay? It's real encouraging. It's talking about leaving a godly legacy. Well, the first couple of weeks of August, Ezra and I were bored one day. Kristen wasn't around, obviously. That's a key part in this story. Okay? And I decided to teach Ezra the slapping game. Just start slapping each other. Just back. Don't do it right now, dads. Okay? Wait till you get home in the privacy of your home. Because, again, somebody might call somebody. Okay? But I started teaching it. And then it hit me. It hit me. Literally. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Then it dawned on me. That's a better way to put that. Right? Then it dawned on me. Oh, no. Ezra's starting kindergarten in a couple weeks. He's going for a kindergarten screening. And he's going to run into school on the first day of school and look at another kid and say, hey, you want to play the slapping game? And the kid's going to look at him and say, what's that? And he's just going to haul off and slap the kid across the face. So then I had to have a conversation with Ezra. Hey, man, listen. Listen. You need some knowledge about this game. It is only a game that you play with daddy. Not your sisters. Not mommy. Not your teacher. Is that good, Miss Amy? Right? Not your teacher. I'm looking at the kindergarten teacher over there. Not your teacher. Not your classmates. Nobody else, Nobody at church. Okay, this is just me and you. This is just a game between me and you. Right? And there's wisdom in that. Right? There's wisdom in that. I don't remember why I told you the story. But it's important that if, oh, I remember why, right? Because as we're leaving godly legacy, right, we've got to give the knowledge as to why. I think one of the biggest ways that we cripple our legacy, although it makes total sense, right, if you're a parent and you've been in the situation, and if you're a parent and you haven't been in the situation, you're lying in church, okay? But, it, but, but being, in a, being a parent and sitting in the situation and, and, the, and the child saying, Daddy, why can't I do this? Because I said so, right? We get to the place where it's a because I said so. But when it comes to leaving a godly legacy, we can't stop it because I said so. It's not enough. We've got to share the knowledge as to the why you're saying so, right? You can't go on this hike and get five feet away from the edge because you could fall off. Right? That's the why. And that's knowledge that, that, that our legacies need. You see where I'm going with this? So we've got to have knowledge. And God's telling Joshua, listen, listen, all these things are written 
as in, in my relationship with Moses, all these things are written in Exodus. All these things he's documented. I want you to meditate on those things. Why? Because they're going to give you knowledge as to my character. They're going to give you knowledge as to where you're to go. They're going to give you knowledge as to how you should seek wisdom. They're going to give you knowledge as to how you should worship, how you should respond, how you should do this, where victory comes from. It's going to give you knowledge that you need for life. Meditate on it. And the second essential to growing faith is a willingness to obey. A willingness to obey. Now, you might say, who doesn't want to obey what God says? Who doesn't want to obey what God says? I would argue that there are lots of people that don't want to obey all of what God says, and unfortunately, some of those are even Christ followers that don't want to obey everything that God says. There are many people who want to obey some of what God says, but not all of what God says. They'll obey the things that are easy to do or even moderately difficult. But when it comes to everything, uh, I'm not sure that's in context. You heard that one? I'm not sure that applies today. Okay? Right? Let's think about a couple of examples. Because there are people who don't even want to do anything hard that God would ask them to do. Abraham was asked by God to offer sacrifice to uh, to offer uh, 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 to, to to sacrifice Isaac on the altar. The thing about Abraham, and I know we struggle with this story. You know why we struggle with this story so much in 2020? I believe because one of the biggest objects of worship is our kids. So no, I'm not sorry. It's got to be said. Well, we struggle with that story. We struggle with the story of Abraham and Isaac because there's no way that a loving God would ask me to do something like that. There's no way. There's no way. That's not a loving God. And after a little, uh, Abraham was willing to offer Isaac all the way up until God stopped him. And let me tell you, I'm sitting up here. I struggle with that one. I struggle with that one. Okay, but it's there. The willingness to obey for Abraham. Let's look at another one. After a little convincing, Moses was willing to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let the Israelites go. And it did take convincing. There were excuses that were flown back and forth and, and God had to eventually send Moses an aid, right? All, all the different things, right? That we see there in the beginning of Exodus. But after a little convincing, Moses was willing to go to Pharaoh, king, and say, listen, you got to let these people go. Daniel was willing to pray in the face of being fed to the lions. I love that. Daniel and the lions then. He was willing to pray. He was willing to worship Joshua. Joshua was willing to lead the Israelites into battle to take the promised land in the face of bigger armies, better equipped armies, protected armies, and he was willing to be obedient in spite of what most generals would say is not the best of battle plans. I don't know if you've read the book of Joshua, but let's look at this battle plan for just a moment and what God called Joshua to do to accomplish the work that he called Moses to do that Joshua was now inheriting and taking over. Walk around Jericho once each day, having the priests blow trumpets for six days. Okay, this is, the, this is the battle plan. Walk around the city, walk around the wall for six days and have the priests blow trumpets. Then on the seventh day, walk around seven times, 
and have the priest give a long blast on the trumpets and have the people give a great shout and the walls will come down and you will take the city. That's the plan. Like, hey, listen, we've got to build a building. So instead of raising money and doing the capital campaign, here's our plan. We're going to go over to the land when we leave here. We all got to go. We're going to walk around the land seven times. Then we're going to have Justin play the violin. Some of you blow him some horns. If you've got them, bring them. It can't hurt. We're going we're gonna to blow in the horns, and then we're just going to shout as loud as we can to the top of our lungs, and we're going to watch God tear down all the trees and, and, and build the building right there in front of us. Right? Rob's like, hey, I'll try it. I'm willing to try anything. I'm willing to try anything. Not the most thought out battle plan for taking the city and taking the promised land from a military perspective, but it would show if Joshua had the willingness to obey what God said. And here's the question for us. Let's personalize it again yet this morning. Are you willing to obey the Lord in whatever he says? Are you willing to obey the Lord in whatever he says? What if he told you to move from, from where you are and he would show you where he wanted you to live when you got there? Would you obey? He'll show you when you get there. Not before you leave, but when you get there. That's Abraham. What if he told you, we talked about this one last week or two weeks ago, what if he told you to quit your job and trust him to provide? I'm saying, what if? Okay. What if he said that activity that you're participating in is not glorifying to me, so I want you to stop it, even if you think that there is some of your joy that comes from it. How are we at obeying the Lord and whatever He says? Is it your desire? Do you want to obey God in everything, even in the times that you don't understand? So it takes, uh, it takes knowledge, it takes a, a willingness to obey. And then number three, a growing faith, the leaving a legacy requires courage. We see God tell Joshua to be strong and courageous three times. Verse 6, verse 7, verse 9. Because God knows that to grow our faith and to leave a legacy will require courage. To be obedient is going to require courage. To be obedient, no matter what the thing is, in all things, is going to require courage. But He helps us with that courage. I think that's the thing that we forget so often is that, yes, it's going to require courage, but that's the thing that God wants to help us with. Because oftentimes he wants us to take that courageous first step and then he does the rest. In Joshua's case, move forward, moving forward on a plan that didn't seem like the best military option showed his courage. I mean, can you imagine spending 40 years in the wilderness and then talking to your army and saying, okay, here's the plan. Walk around the town once, for, once a day for six days. Seventh day, around it seven times, blow trumpets as long as you can, shout, and then the walls are going to come down. We'll have victory over Jericho. I imagine myself thinking that everyone's going to think I'm a fool. I mean, I, I, I mean, I think that even today, right? I had, somebody, I had somebody reach out to me this past week. Hey, how's your capital campaign in the midst of COVID going? Translation, hey, dumb, dumb. Right? Hey, dumb, dumb. I just, I blame it on the elders. I'm like, they made me do it. Not Bruce and Cindy, the other ones. <laughs> right? 
I imagine everyone, I imagine myself thinking that everyone thinks, but it took courage. It took courage. I can tell you, listen to me, church, I can tell you, it's going to take courage. It's going to require courage to take steps of obedience. It's going to require courage to to take steps of obedience. Whether it's that sin in your life, whether it's that relationship you're in, whether it's your living situation, whether the stronghold, the past, the shame, whatever, whatever you're facing in your life, it will take courage to take steps of obedience and to overcome that. And to overcome that. It'll take courage. And what does God tell Joshua? Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. See, we need to have courage to have a growing faith. We may have had courage in the past, but God continually gives us new situations that we need to act courageously. And that's how He grows our faith. So, if we desire to leave a legacy that will impact our families, our friends, and future generations of Summit for eternity and beyond, then we need to begin with faith. And that faith must continually be growing and increasing our knowledge, our willingness to obey, having the courage to take the steps that God desires. And I want to fast forward because I want us to look at Joshua chapter 24, the end of the book of Joshua, the end of Joshua's life. And I was just going to read verse 31, but I want to back up to 28. So this is in Joshua chapter 24, starting verse 28. So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. And after these things, Joshua, the son of Nun, servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in his own inheritance at Timnath which is in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gesh. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. You see that? Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. You know one of the things that breaks my heart? Can I just, can I just pause for just a second with the message? One of the things that breaks my heart so much, and I know I've talked about it with Pastor Rick, I know I've talked about it with some others, First of all, I think, I think one of the things that, that breaks my heart, just speaking as a pastor, I can talk about them because I is one. A lot of people talk about us and they're not one, but I can talk about them because I is one. Um, two things that break my heart. First, the longevity of pastors. Average stay of a pastor is 18 months. That's too short. Man, it's too short. That's too short. That's the average stay of a pastor in, in, in America today, 18 months. January will be 10 years for me. Feels like 18 months. Just, anyway, yeah, sorry. The second thing is how hard it is after a pastor leaves or retires to replace him. I mean, churches go years, years, three, four years to find another pastor after one leaves or one retires or so on. You know, some of the, some of the best churches that I know, some of the most healthy churches, some of the most healthy pastors around 
are pastors that were brought in three or four years before before uh, a pastor retired, and then they were trained up and just given the mantle, kind of like Elijah gave to Elisha, kind of like Moses. After, Mo- after Moses died, Joshua was just ready to go. Why? Because Moses poured everything that he had into Joshua. That's legacy. That's discipleship. And that's the call for each and every one of us here. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples. You know the point of church is to replace yourself. Replace yourself. If you're working in the nursery, train up a nursery worker. If you're greeting, train up a greeter. If you're playing the violin, you're going to be playing it for a while. No, I mean, train up a violinist. Sorry, Justin. Right? I mean, I mean, you see, you see where I'm going with this? And in the end of Joshua's life, we see Israel, right, inherited the land. They inherited the land. They served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. So Joshua's legacy continued. Why? Because of the elders that outlived him. Because of the people that he then poured his life into. And then we see, right, the trickle down, the overflow that we see all throughout the rest of Scripture. Because of the life of Joshua lived in obedience to the Lord, the whole nation of Israel followed his example, not just during his lifetime. But they kept pointing back. They kept pointing back. After he died. Why? Because Joshua kept growing in the Word. He kept growing in his willingness to obey all throughout his life. He kept growing in his courage. And Joshua made a choice earlier in Joshua 24, 14. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He made a choice. He made a choice that he was going to serve the Lord. And we see that in his actions at the beginning of his leadership in Israel all the way to the end of his life. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The worship team is going to come. And I want to close with this. Legacy is about people following your ways because they witness your way of life. Legacy is about people following your ways because they witness your way of life. You know what that takes? You know what it takes for someone to witness your way of life? I'll never forget, I was in Florida one time with a bunch of teenagers, and uh, we got to have a youth pastor's devotion, youth pastors only, and, and, and I went and, and talked to the speaker after the devotion, um, and, and I remember uh, just asking him, you know, what does discipleship look like in your life? And he said, well, here's the deal. I hire one intern every two years. And that intern lives with me and like cleans my pool and eats dinners with my family, which that's, that's a whole nother level, right? Cleaning the pool. But let just go with me here, okay? Like, like he does, he does, he mows my grass. Like he does this. He eats dinner with my family. He, like he, he walks with me for two years and then I fire him. Right? To go on and do the work that God's called him to do. Right? But for two years, he's allowed into my life. He's able to watch me, right? Pray with my family. He's able to watch do this. He's able to watch me do that. And listen, that takes, right, for someone to witness our lives, that takes a level of vulnerability. It takes a level of vulnerability. It takes a level of, of humility to say, you know what? I'm going to let you in on some things here. Because legacy is about people following your ways because they witness your life. And my question for each and every one of us today, hear me church, is where are you in this? I mean, first of all, we got to ask the big question. Are you building a legacy? 
Are you building a legacy? My family is big into, and you, you can criticize this, I, I get it, because I tried to fight it for years. A lot of people thought it was cool for years, and I tried to fight it, I tried to fight it, but my family right now is big into Hamilton, okay? They're big into it. Hamilton's soundtrack is like on repeat in our house constantly. I was thinking about it the other day, and I was talking with my oldest daughter, Bria. I was like, why do you love this so much? Like, what stirs this for you? Like, what's what is it? Because I'm, I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> like you listen to it so much. And she actually said to me, she looked at me, she said, you know, she said, one day, one day, one day, I hope I can leave something that outlives me. Because that's one of the lines. Kid you not. We were riding in the car. I was taking her to school. And there was a line, Alexander Hamilton, he's like, I want to build something that outlives me or something. I want to leave something that, something. Close. That's my Hamilton expert right there. It'll do for today. I think there's attraction for us to these things, legacy, right? So where are you? Are you building a legacy? Are you leaving a legacy? What does that legacy look like? Is it in Christ? Is your faith growing? Do you need to look at pressing into the knowledge of Him by meditating on His Word? Do you need to press into your willingness to obey anything He asks you? Do you need to press into courage and what it looks like to stand on the Gospel? What it looks like to stand in the shadow of the cross? What is it for you? What's the place where you need to pray today? Because my challenge is that we would be so legacy conscious no matter what no matter what no matter what not that we not that we held the status quo not that we survived not that we just made it but that there was joy there was peace there was overcoming in the process. That's my prayer for you and your family. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for me and my family. That's my prayer for Summit. Would you pray with me? So God, I pray that no matter what, no matter what, we would build something that outlives us. God, that we would allow people in, that we would allow people close enough to witness our life, to imitate us as we follow You. God, that we would press into obedience, that we would press into knowledge, that we would press into courage. God, that we would take a stand on the things that You call us to take a stand on and not cower. God, that we would see the victory that You've promised for Your church. So God, I pray that wherever You would call each and every one of us to press into this message today, we would be obedient. We'd hear You and respond accordingly. In Jesus' name I pray.